Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self abandon. The amazing spider talk. The amazing spider talk. Come swing through the air, sit back and prepare for the amazing spider. I'm Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of AmazingSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining me for a special episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and gamers as we look at the Spider-Man gaming universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Normally, I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Giannacchio, to discuss everything Spider-Man under the sun. But today is going to be something completely different. This season on The Amazing Spider Talk, we've been talking about how Spider-Man hit the big time during the Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. run on the title. But today, I'm going to talk about how I hit the big time at this year's E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, to play the brand new Spider-Man game on the PlayStation 4. Joining me is friend of the show, Chris Baker, a writer and games industry professional who worked at Marvel, LucasArts, and the PlayStation Magazine and who you might remember from a few episodes back where we discussed the history of storytelling in Spider-Man games. Chris actually took charge this time and set out to interview me about my experiences with the game in an awesome interview that he's also debuting on his YouTube channel called Superhero Video Games. So if you want to watch the video version of this interview, check out the link in this episode's show notes. As per usual, this episode wouldn't be possible without support from our wonderful Patreon subscribers, whose patronage allowed me to attend E3 this year and get all the coverage we got out of it. If you enjoyed this show and want to help us continue, especially when it comes to getting access to events like E3, please be sure to go to the show notes for this episode, click on the Patreon link, and check out our Patreon page to join our club. You'll also get a ton of additional content, like exclusive artwork and podcasts, so why not check it out? This week's show is brought to you by our newest patron, none other than Kurt Harper. So thank you, Kurt, and let's get right to Chris's interview with, well, with me. Hey, Chris Baker here, here to talk a little bit about a game called uh, Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man for PS4, and I have a very special guest today, Mr. Dan Gavazdan. Introduce yourself. Oh, hi, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on your uh, YouTube channel. I, I think that's where we are right now. That's where we are, Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Cyberspace it is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. I'm Dan, and uh, I'm from the podcast The Amazing Spider Talk. All right, so another reason I have you on today is because you attended E3. 
this I, past week. I did. It was really fun. My first E3, actually. I guess, fittingly enough, the one with yeah, Spider-Man yeah. there. Who was the one who suggested you apply to that? Uh, it might have been the guy named Chris. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so thank you, Chris, for uh, giving me the kick in the butt. You know, I, <laughs> I always wanted to go to E3 because I've been you know, a big gamer for most of my life. So uh, you know, it's just been something I've been following for a long time. I just figured it was a bit more um, difficult to get a press pass. I literally sent in my credentials and like an hour later they were like, you're good to go. That's awesome because there's a lot of stories of the exact opposite being the case right now. So, so there you uh, go. I'm glad you got in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm especially glad you got in because you got to play Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4. And let's just start off. What did you think? Uh, you know, it's hard to even just say what I thought because I, I kind of ran a full span of opinions sure. on, on this thing because uh, I, pl- I played it three times, which was not that difficult to do considering they let press in early and I was able to kind of sprint in there and get in line a bunch of times and snag myself a bunch of daily bugles. Overall, I would say by the end of my time with it, I really enjoyed what I was playing. I still have some reservations about the game, and we'll talk about those today. Um, but overall, I think what they presented was really exciting. And um, beyond exciting, um, I think really promising for what the game can ultimately offer. I'm not sure that the demo itself really, um, as a standalone object 100% convinced me or did the work necessary to really um, provide me with that much, I guess, absolute certainty about the final product. Um, But I think what it did really well was kind of tease what ultimately this project could be in the hands of someone who really understands how the game works. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. So are, are you saying then that Insomniac really understands how the game works? Well, yeah. <laughs> when I watch the demos, I, you know, obviously they have their expert guys you know, playing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing a real like veteran player and a veteran Spider-Man handling this. You know, they, they like to tease that Spider-Man has been doing this for like eight years, right? But right. also so have their developers. So <laughs> they're really quite good at the game. So that there is a certain level of if you've watched a lot of that footage and you suddenly find yourself with that controller in your hands, you can't possibly measure up to what you've seen because – they're throwing you in – they've kind of said like like halfway through the game with a bunch of powers that you don't have at the beginning and they're throwing button mapping at you. And I think my – if I were to say my biggest negative on the whole experience is that when you hit the pause button, there's no controller mapping. So you hmm. just kind of have to remember this multitude of button presses. And so by the third time I played this, I had it a bit more down. But the first time I found myself really struggling with the controls. And so my Spider-Man was smacking his body into buildings and looking like a general fool. But by the third time, I was like, okay, I think I've got this down a little bit. So I think when I say that I think the game has a lot of promise, I I believe in the way that a lot of like my favorite games work, you truly will look and feel better the better you get at the game. It's not handing you a, like a series of tools that it will be automatically – you'll automatically be the best you'll ever be at them. You know, I think there's right. re- really room for 
improvement in this game. And, and that excites me because I, I want something that's going to challenge me to be a better Spider-Man. Because right now, my Spider-Man abilities are embarrassing. <laughs> well, it sounds like you kind of had maybe an evolved opinion between the first and third times that you played it. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, well, I mean, so I mean, it's important to note the structure of the demo itself. If you've watched you know, it being presented, they really kind of um, – and, and it's been kind of elaborated on that it's not entirely true to how the game works. You start off and you are fighting a bunch of kind of villains in an alleyway uh, after they teach you brief swinging mechanics. And then you go on top of this um, water tower and Assassin's Creed style scan over the city. And then you're kind of just left to free roam going everywhere, um, you know, or not everywhere, but in, in a very large slice of the city. And it uses subtle cues to kind of guide you towards this one rooftop and not so subtle cues because Yuri Watanabe is yelling at you to go to the rooftop. Right. Um, but that rooftop is really difficult. Um, they throw you into these waves of enemies and, um, they kick your butt if you're not really on top of it. And and I have to say like that I really str- I really struggle with this part of the game because it's a lot of different button presses and skills and things to master. And if you've watched the game, it's not like the Dark Knight series where uh, or the Batman series rather, um where the enemies have signals that they're going to attack you. You just have your spider sense. So if you're not really familiar with the game, you've got guys shooting bazookas at you and guns and people bum rushing you with their fists. And so it's really hard uh at first. Um which again was frustrating in the moment, but ultimately by the third time when I was better at it and beat it, like feeling confident I realized that the game had a lot of potential for me to be, again, a much better player. So, like, that was really my evolution was the first time I found it very frustrating because I – not because I wasn't winning but because I felt like I wasn't given the tools to be successful. And I'm sure the game will do a better job of laying this out rather than getting you through all the controls in a 15-minute demo. But there was opportunity still for me to grow and, again, become a better Spider-Man. Did you die? I did, multiple times. That's something they don't show you in their demos. So what, what's no. it like to die in that game? Anything uh, of note? Um, you kind of just fall down on the ground and it, and it reloads the enemies for you again. Um, okay. It does give you fresh life and things like that. I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but um, you know, I just beat the Ratchet & Clank remake that Insomniac did. And you know that's a kitty-styled game, but it is very difficult. Like yeah. Insomniac is not – they don't handle things with kids' gloves, you know, and, and the controls are tough and you ultimately get it down. But they don't give you a lot of life. There's not a lot of like go over here and find an abundance of health. And the same is true with this. There's not like spider tokens laying around where you can just go, oh, now I feel better. You have to beat up a bunch of guys to restore your health. And I think the biggest miscommunication for me in this game is that you can – there's a risk-reward element to this game where you can do one of your Spider-Man like takedown kills, which is like the web blossom that you've probably seen yeah. already where he jumps into the air and sprays webs in every direction. And you have a choice. You can either heal yourself or do that big takedown. So I didn't understand that because it wasn't that clearly portrayed to me. So I was constantly like killing guys and never healing myself. So I died a lot. 
Okay. This is the focus meter, right? You're right. The focus meter, yeah. The next stage after that fight, like, they really don't guide you. I'm sure you've seen the shocker boss battle at this yes. point. They really don't guide you there. And um, I had the – they give you 15 minutes and I used most of my 15 minutes the first time on fighting those waves of guys on the roof and doing really poor poor job at it. But I – it said they were going to turn my demo off in like 30 seconds, and I just so happened to stumble upon the Shocker boss battle in like the last five seconds of that. And then once you get there, the timer is turned off, and you have three lives to beat the Shocker. And I lost two lives and then beat him on the third life. So cool. I kind of extended my gameplay the first time as much as I possibly could. But in regards to dying, I did a lot of that. Nice. Uh, yeah, well, okay, it sounds like that's a, a pretty good kind of taste of, of what people can expect in the game. I know you did mention that it felt different than the Batman Arkham games. Uh, you know, I think uh, still there's a lot of people I see online saying it looks like it's Arkham Combat. Can you go into a, maybe a little more on how they're different? Sure. Um, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is kind of the snappiness of the combat um, that is present in the Arkham games is not as present in this game. Um, you know, Batman would bounce around the stage and kind of automatically lock onto a guy, and you could kind of take for granted that, like, if there was a bad guy on the other side of the room, Batman would do, like, a running leap to go and yeah. punch him, and that's very not true in this game. If you hit the punch button, Spider-Man will stand still and just punch the air, you know. Uh, sure. Uh, and you need to get, you know, close that ground. You know, um, and I've watched the demos where they're kind of hitting people with webs and pulling themselves closer. I did not know how to do that move. Um, so I still didn't figure out how to do that move. So it was a lot of me like awkwardly running over to guys right. and, uh, and then punching on them. But you really need to think about space and how you're going to close space and dodge in a different way than you would in the Batman games. It's funny because it, it seems appropriate that Spider-Man would be the guy bouncing around the room, you know, more than Batman would. I can see that, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, in, a, in a way, this game asks you to be more calculated than those games are, which already asked you to be pretty calculated um, and use your um, reflexes really quickly. But this asks you to even do it even higher. But I, I think the, the, uh, the fail... Ratio, I guess, it, you know, it's a, there's a little more leniency if you get hit. Like, Batman is very reliant on you building combos um, mm -hmm. to kind of keep your power going and keep the battle going. And if you mess up the combos, you can kind of be quickly felled. I think if I knew about, like, the rehealing myself in a, in a better way, I think this has a little more, like, flexibility. So you're not, like, feeling totally punished by not nailing a perfect combo between every character in the game. The next big thing, I think, you know, the the Batman games will often put you in, like, an arena when you're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat. I know there were the kind of, you know, takedown missions where you could go in and out of environments and stuff, but it seemed like there were very two different styles of gameplay in the Batman games, where it's like, I'm either doing a kind of, like, like a ping-pong bouncing back and forth between a bunch of guys on the ground or I'm tackling stuff from aerial positions and this 
doesn't really have a differential between the two of those. You could be fighting guys on the ground and a guy three levels up could be shooting you with a bazooka. So I found that very challenging because I wasn't thinking about the guy that was like way up above me. You know, I was just trying to right. take down these guys. So, um, you know, I think it's going to ask your brain to stretch in a different way. Um, I think people that approach this like an Arkham game, and there are certainly a lot of Arkham, you know, similarities. You know, like it's clearly inspired by that, and and it would be hard not to. Like that sure. was a perfect, nearly perfect fighting system that changed how these kind of things are handled. Um, but I think if you go in expecting that, you're going to find yourself dying a lot like I did because you're not thinking like Spider-Man would, which is going to require a completely different set of skills. And to me, that was really promising. You know, After I got over the sting of defeat, I was like, OK, good. Like this, this will be a different challenge. What do you mean by thinking like Spider-Man would exactly? I mean like utilizing your environment for uh, takedowns. You'll notice when you're playing it that everything allows you to press L1 and R1 at the same time to grab, like, something in the environment. It's like literally everything can be used to slam into guys. But sure. there's, a, um, there's a balance with that because it takes some time to do that. But, you know, me, I was just kind of taking cans and throwing them at them or car doors. But watching demos and stuff of seeing the midair slamming stuff down on people and really using the skills and then maybe jumping off the building and swinging back up around. Um, there's a, you know, three-dimensionality to the combat that I've never experienced in a game before, other than maybe like some other Spider-Man games that have tried to kind of pull this off. I could talk in a minute about where I feel like the limitations of that might be and the, and the, and the things I'm still curious about uh, pushing into a little bit with more ability to play but but you do need to think about like not only stealth but you know how you can run away and come back at a different angle or utilize different parts of your environment in smart ways and spider-man is quick but you kind of have to be even like ahead of what even you might think because You've got to, you know, not only you can't just press a button and have him zip off and to avoid something. You have to point the camera at the thing and tell it to go there. There's no quick sure. out, so you have to be like multiple steps ahead and know if I'm in a bad scenario, I can look over in this direction and tell Spider-Man to go off that way. And it wasn't something I ever really prepared myself for, so I found myself quickly like in hot water in a lot of these scenarios. Yeah, what you're describing to me sounds kind of like uh, maybe maybe like an Arkham game, but kind of midway between that and like a an old God of War or Devil May Cry or something like that, combat wise. Like, is it something in between that? Is that a good way to yeah, summarize? Yeah, that's it? really smart. I think it's yeah. I would compare it to Devil May Cry in some ways. I mean, there's certainly a lot of the combos of that game where it's like I knocked this guy up into the air, then I jumped up and hit him, or I webbed him. You know, and you can stack those kind of things a little bit um but a little more free than devil may cry which tends to be a little bit kind of like corridor attacky um like you could literally jump off the building and come back up if you if you wanted to um but you can't heal by running away so the only way you're healing your character is by engaging in combat so it is pulling you back if you Hmm. want to defeat that mission you know but i would say that's a pretty uh accurate uh portrayal of it yeah Cool, cool. Yeah, I think you uh, you have laid out the most clear differential between 
uh, Spider-Man and Arkham that I've heard so far. So uh, congratulations. Well, like, like in Arkham, if you press whatever, R2 or whatever, you could always count on there being like a gargoyle or something to zip up to. Right? Like it would kind of sure. automatically do that. They were placed everywhere and you always had an escape. I felt like a, this required a lot more judgment than that. You know, not, not only when you're swinging around town, if you go above a building, can you not even push the button that lets you swing? You know, it just doesn't do anything because there's nothing for him to grab onto. The same is true in the combat. You can't just expect that there's going to be something for Spider-Man to disappear into. You know, that was a level of, of – I mean I should have expected it, but like once you're in the thick of it, it, it becomes very apparent how much you wish you, you had that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, what was it that you wanted to talk more about? I, I already forgot what that was. Well, I'm, so I, I am <laughs> curious about some of the kind of like limitations of of this system. Um, you know, one of the things I've always struggled with in Spider-Man games, and I'm curious to see if it returns here, is the walking on the ceiling thing. Um, this game really is fast moving, if I've not stressed that enough. <laughs> and I think that goes to the kind of controls of the game as well. Like it, it emphasizes you moving quickly over terrain over you kind of taking your time walking up stuff or like walking up walls as you might in other Spider-Man games uh, you know perhaps to the detriment of the game right because often when you get on the ceiling you're like what is up and down like how the ceiling am I- is the the bane of Spider-Man games of the past absolutely yeah but I don't even know if that's an option in this game like I don't know if you can go on the ceiling in this game I don't think I've seen that in any video of these games. Have you? You know, I've only seen regular wall crawling for like six seconds. Yeah. So uh, I don't know that I would rule out that it's there, but um, I think it probably is there. They just haven't shown it. Right. Maybe they're still like, maybe that's one of the last things they're fine tuning. It's possible. So that's one of the big questions I have is regular wall crawling because it like the combat system doesn't really allow for it, right? If I'm going to zip to something, I can't just shoot my web at a wall and zip over to the wall. It has to be like a structure, you know? So in that way, it's kind of Batman-ish, right? Because like Batman mm-hmm. can't stick to a wall. But I would think if I were Spider-Man, I could point at any surface and just go and boom, I'm there on this wall sticking to this wall, right? Is that your version of Thwip? Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a fun. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this, right. this is to tell you how good of a Spider-Man I am. Is yes. I don't even have thwip. I just have some kind of vague fart sound. It's <laughs> like an actual spider shooting a web. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what the spiders in my house sound like. It's just constant fart sounds. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, but it, it, you know that that has me really curious because, like, to me, that's a big part of Spider-Man is just the kind of accessibility of every surface, and I don't really get that sense in this game. Like if I I feel like if I were to want to ro- go and climb up a wall, you literally have to start either swinging and hit the wall, or start from the base and walk up the wall. Does that hmm. make sense? Uh, yeah. You know, I think I think this is the kind of thing we just need to. to I, I would think like you're stuck to a wall, and then if you just hit lightly instead of like 
you know, uh, you know, on the analog controller, if it's like just a, a halfway up, then you'll just regularly walk all. That would be my instinct anyway. No, no, no. I think that's right. But what I'm saying is like I don't think that there's an option for me to point at a wall and go, I want to be on that part of the wall. Oh, I see. Okay. You, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're swinging and you hit a building, you're going to stick to that part of the wall. And if you walk up to a building and walk towards the building, you will automatically climb the building. But I don't see an option for there to be like I don't like I don't want to swing into the wall and I don't want to walk into the wall. I want to just go to that part of the wall. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um because to me that's like the in between that's missing and I'm curious to explore that because in combat that could have a lot of um implications, right? Like if I there's no outcropping you know, there's no crate for me to get to the top two, but I want to get away regardless. I can't just go ceiling, wall, whatever. Um, uh, anyway, I just thought it was worth pointing out because, you know, I think that's how Spider-Man spends most of his time in the comics and stuff is just yeah. on ambiguous parts of the wall. Um, <laughs> but I could see that that would be really frustrating from a game design perspective because you need to give people clear visual things to connect to and ways to program around that. And I wonder if playing all the other superhero Spider-Man games, they were like, the ceiling and the walls are where things really break down. Let's just ignore, like, you know, not make that a core part of the system anymore. Um, Right. So anyway, I thought that was worth pointing out. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, you know, and also I'll I'll just say too, like, the whole... uh the reason we haven't really seen just regular wall crawling that much is just that it's so much slower and we want to, if you're just watching someone wall crawl, it's going to get you through the demo a lot more slowly than running and shooting webs and all that. So I I think that's the reason we really haven't seen that. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I did it, like I found a backpack when I was swinging around the city and I just crawled up the wall very slowly to get to the backpack, you know? And, right. uh, and he, I think Spider-Man even made a joke about it or Peter makes a joke about it. He's like, Oh, you know me just leaving my backpacks all over town. It does seem that way. I feel like he's got quite the backpack budget. Like all of his, uh, all of his money doesn't go to rent. Cause you know, he's, he's getting evicted apparently in this game. Uh, it goes to backpacks. Yeah. And uh. apparently he's fixed his web formula so it doesn't dissolve ever. Okay. <laughs> I mean, apparently so. How much how much did you just swing around? The the third time I played the game, I didn't even go to beat Shocker because I'd beaten him twice, so I just kind of spent time swinging around and seeing if I could really figure out like all the advanced moves of swinging. So, mm-hmm. I think altogether I probably spent about 40 minutes swinging around the city, which I consider a pretty good amount of time for an E3 show floor. Absolutely. Did you, uh, you know, I've seen a few demos out there and, you know, there, I think I've seen a backpack where he gets, uh, the crusher Hogan, uh, yeah. That uh, Easter egg or whatever. Did you see anything that you haven't seen anyone else find? I, I did. I, um, found a Nintendo switch and I, I say that it wasn't actually a <laughs> Nintendo switch, but he gets like a backpack. Mine right here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, he gets a backpack and uh, opens it up, and there is a gaming console that looks deceptively like the Nintendo Switch. But of course, it's not named that. Um, right. And I was like, oh, what an odd thing to include in a, in a Sony exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a work of fiction, so maybe uh, you know, maybe in this parallel universe, they don't have PS4s, but they have, I don't know, 
Nintendo Switch. House. I don't know. I was like, I was like playing it, and I was like half expecting that, like a day later at E3, we'd find, oh, Sony is announcing their portable version of the PlayStation Four that launches with Spider Man or something like that. I mean, it yeah. was just a bizarre thing because normally Sony's very on top of like what how their technology appears in things. I mean, <laughs> I hate to recall the Spider Man films that they've produced where he uses like Bing to you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I did see in, in one of the demos I saw, I, I think I might have seen what you're talking about, actually. And I could see where it kind of looks like a Switch, but it also kind of looked like uh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, just, just a generic handheld, I yeah, think. Yeah, it, so it, it, it I think was. That's what it is. But, but, but to <laughs> me, it looked like a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> okay, cool. Did you see any, like, really, like, geek out kind of Easter eggs? Like, you know, whether we've seen it in, in a something else or not, like, what... what what made it feel like the Marvel Universe to you? Not particularly. Um, I mean, I would say, like, other than stuff you found in your videos, I wasn't mm. really stopping in Times Square to analyze every poster. I was more kind of getting the feel for it. But, like, there's obviously Avengers Tower off in the distance, but we weren't allowed to get there. Um, you know, I, I went to the top of the Empire State Building, and that was really impressive. I mean, there's a certain wow factor to that that just, like, it, you know, puts your jaw on the floor. But I, I wouldn't say there was anything that stood out, like, as Easter egg-y to me. Like, I didn't discover, like, Matt Murdock's law firm or uh, Doctor Strange's Sanctum Centorum. I'm sure they're going to be there, but I feel like the demo was pretty um, specific about not including a lot of that stuff in the yeah. range of space they gave you. I mean, I will say, like, you can move quick, but the city is still huge. So if you were to like kind of go and be like, I need to find this thing, you'd have to really go around every corner and really um, be judicious about where you're looking. Um, but for this, it was kind of centered around uh, Union Square. So like for me, it was fun to kind of go down to Union Square and as someone who's lived in New York, kind of see that environment reflected so eerily accurately uh, yeah. uh, to me. And um, that was a lot of fun. I mean, mostly it's just beautiful. The the you know they they said it during mostly during the magic hour, so like they clearly knew that that would be a bit of a visual stunner, and there's not enough time to really let it expire past that. So you're kind of stuck in this permanent uh, like beauty state of the city. Um, I enjoyed interacting with the pedestrians a little bit. I stopped a couple crimes while swinging around um, that I found. Typical of Spider-Man games, not very interesting. You just kind of have like a bunch of thieves you can beat up on the ground. And I found them to be awkward because they're often in these small little rooms off of the, you know, the streets of New York. So you can't really use your powers in interesting ways. It's just kind of like get down and beat people up. Um, right. And I don't know if they're, if they're going to, if it evolves beyond that in this game, that would be a worry of mine. That like in other Spider-Man games, it's just kind of rinse, repeat of these kind of bare bones, stop the bad guy missions. I didn't get involved in any auto heists. Uh, that's what I, I was looking forward to that, but didn't manage to get it to happen. Yeah, well, you know, both of those are have been staples for a while, actually. But you need them. You need you need yeah. something else to do other than just swing around. Uh, and I'm sure. I'm sure they're optional in most cases. I don't know if it would punish you in any way for not doing them. Yeah, I just um, think if if you're hoping for like 
like maybe GTA styled inventiveness with the way that these things go down, you're probably not going to find it, and you probably shouldn't expect it. You, you know what I mean? Um, like the real juice is going to come from fighting the supervillains. But like I didn't find like the enemy AI is not going to run off and go steal a car and have you chase after them. At least as far as I know. Right. Well, uh, let's maybe we should shift gears a bit and talk about things pertaining to supervillains, uh, specifically the the big trailer uh, that they uh, launched last week. Um, what were your general thoughts of that uh, tra- of that trailer? Well, first, I thought it was kind of bold for them to just kind of show all of these bad guys at once. I mean, it's a great mm-hmm. way to kind of like hype people up for the game, you know. But um, you know that I imagine that's a pretty pivotal sequence in the game that they're revealing. Um, so they're kind of stealing a little bit of thunder from their own game by showing it early. But that seems to be the case for a lot of these game demos these days. Uh, I always think about the Uncharted Two helicopter sequence that they put out, and it was like that's literally one of the coolest things in the game. I thought this was a really neat sequence, and, and what was interesting about it is kind of having played the game. Then rewatching it and seeing the mechanics of it all working and how they're kind of simple and and how they kind of would evolve into these kind of bigger set pieces, um, you know, it's it's the same web web swinging mechanics in level as out in the broader you know space. And so um, I'll be curious to play that and poke around inside of a more um, specific. Uh, you know, set piece. I find that a lot of these open world games tend to kind of work in the open world and kind of fall apart on a gameplay level when they get to be more kind of like narrow corridor kind of things. Um, I thought this this trailer made it seem like it really did work in a way that Insomniac I think is really good at like uh, making this gameplay so adaptable, and so that was really cool to me. Yeah, that, that's a that's a cool perspective uh, for me. I you know. Just being a pure observer, like uh, most people watching this, uh, you know, I just thought it was cool that they did uh, announce like pretty much, pretty much the classic villains, the classic like A villains, but not A plus villains. Yeah, you know, like the the you know like an A plus villain would be a Doc Ock or a, a Green Goblin. Uh, and you know, if you think about it, up to this point, we've really only seen Mister Negative, Kingpin, and to a certain degree, Norman Osborn. So. Uh, you know, like this particular trailer less than three months away, I think was kind of the perfect way to give you like a big dose of, of what, you know, a Spider-Man game should have. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it probably brought in a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe were looking at this game casually, but now they're like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it was a, actually a really smart move. And I think just that particularly like really, really focused raft level uh, that was a, a good way to do it. Um, it's the perfect way to do it. If you're going to have a breakout, you might as well include all the villains and stuff like that. And um, I'm hopeful that that level is a bit longer when we actually play it. You know, at, at, you know, providing for some cool Easter eggs in the raft itself. I mean, where you can really start to go really deep into the rogues gallery. You know, like uh, yeah. it's the kind of place where you in a Batman game expect to find like hints of condiment man or something like that you know um, yeah, stuff's happening so fast though i don't know that that there's really time to look around it's, it's true uh, it's true but I, but I do think it probably it probably is a little bit longer anyway yeah uh, and if it's not whatever i was um, i was also intrigued by the things that aren't said like that are implied at in this trailer not just the kind of final villain 
tease, but like we're clearly going to get like Yuri Watanabe as Wraith because she like runs off at the beginning, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know as that level. I'm sure there's more to that level post the bit that we saw, you know, like where Spider-Man takes it back to the villains or something like that. Like, I imagine Wraith will make an appearance. I mean, they're they're going to use that. There's, like, implications that, like, maybe the Tinkerer is involved in some way because they constantly harp on that everybody has new mm-hmm. upgraded equipment. Um, and, you know, if you're going to do upgraded equipment and not do the Tinkerer, I don't know what you're doing as a Spider-Man story writer. Um, you know, I could see it. I could see it being Oscorp. That's true too. That would be probably be a tighter story, you know. And, and maybe that's where Peter builds his own advanced armor. You know, as an employee of Oscorp, mm-hmm. as as I think seems to be the case, um, and as your videos uh, have also alluded to. So that's interesting to me. I I loved additionally with that kind of armor stuff how. The um, the tech on the villains, which I don't always love, kind of I think it's like a staple of comics where they want they, there's some desire to upgrade the villains, and the new designs are never as good as the original design. But I liked how like with Electro, his you know his like mechanics on his chest. If you look in between in the negative space, it forms a lightning bolt. Oh, like, neat! I didn't notice that. There's some kind of like cool implied designs. Um, with the machinery that I, I thought was really neat um, on, on a design level. I know you're a Star Wars fan too. Did you uh, at the very end where Electro's going like, Err, where you're like, Spider-Man's going like, Father, please. Oh, 100%. Uh, there's, there's no <laughs> way that they did that without knowing that they would get yeah. do like an Emperor You know he's vibe. thinking that in his head. Yeah. You know Peter is thinking that in his head. He's yeah. just too hurt to say it. And the, the end of it where they're all kind of cornering him is straight up like a cover from like Ultimate Spider-Man era where all the villains are standing around him like beating up on him. If you've ever read The Death of Spider-Man in the Ultimate comics, there's a cover mm-hmm. that's like – it's just that. you know. So I'd have to think that mm-hmm. maybe someone was inspired by that cover or some covers from Spider-Man throughout history. I mean just the, all the villains together, there were so many iconic images. I, I do say, though, I think there's a lot of cinematics in a lot of these trailers that they've shown us that, like, was not uh, represented in the gameplay that I played. And I, I found the gameplay more refreshing in that regard. And, and I, I worry that the cinematics are there to kind of cover up that kind of transition of gameplay from open world to more specific levels because – there are things that are bu- like built into the gameplay system they can't really do because you're meant to swing in every direction. D- okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it to me, it seems like it's going from open world game to maybe like the never saw Spider Man game or a be- or like a Shattered Dimensions or something yeah. like that, where th- there's like a a focused level. Uh, within the context of an open world game, and yeah, Spider Man Two had that to a certain degree too. Uh, but I think this is probably going to pull that part off better than that. I'm curious what the limitations of that are, though. You know, like if I were chasing after Electro and just decided instead to swing completely away from the raft, is there a story based reason why I can't? You, you know, um, will it just probably physically can't? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, like, when you're out swinging around the building where everything's crumbling down. Like, if I were just to go see you later oh, and right. swing out over yeah. the water, would I, would I be able to do that? Would it cancel the mission? Like, um, and I think, you know, that that's where I wonder if the cinematics, you know, like, 
like what is the the gameplay loop? You know, if it's Crash Bandicoot and you're running forward, they force you because a boulder is chasing you. You, right. you know what I mean? And you have to jump and land on specific platforms. But when you're Spider-Man, you have this three-dimensional space that you can literally go anywhere on. You know, you can swing your web, you can zip, you can whatever. I'm curious to see how they limit limit that. So, like, already you're seeing, like, oh, the buildings aren't tall here, so he can't swing. So in order to get across the electrified water, he has to use his web zip, you know? And I'm curious. You see him in the gameplay segments of this demo, like, running on the wall, side of the wall, chasing after Lecter, then jumping off, then zipping. I'm wondering how much of that is, like, uh, the person in the demo doing cool things, or the limitations of the game forcing you to utilize your abilities in a certain way. Um, and that cert- the, the latter is far more um, exciting to me as someone who likes a little bit more linear games and gameplay that tests your reactions than kind of having a big open ability to like tackle every problem every way you want. And I think what was promising about this is I think it's going to be the latter. Like there's the Im- there's the sequence where he's running up that piping and he has to jump to the left or to the right to avoid the electroshocks that are being blasted down at him and to me that seems like classic insomniac ratchet and clank style platformer stuff and i I certainly want more of that in this game because it's going to test your reflexes more than it will be you testing the system if that makes sense yeah yeah i think so cool yeah that's a that's way more than I thought you'd have to say just to, of, uh, about the trailer, but uh, you, you brought a lot of good perspective there as someone who's played the game, so uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Who do you think you is? It seems to me like it's probably the Green Goblin. I would love to reach deep into Spider-Man lore and tell you it's typeface or, or, or something ridiculous, you know? But like, I think this game is meant to be for casual Spider-Man fans, you know, with, with the nods towards, you know, the hardcore stuff, you know, that Crusher Hogan is like a, like a hidden collectible thing. I don't think it's going to go that far beyond what you probably think most of this stuff is, you know, like, right. it, like it's probably Green Goblin or Dr. Octopus. There's like two A-listers in Spider-Man villains, it wouldn't make much sense unless it's like, you, Aunt May, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, it wouldn't make sense in any other context. And since Osborne's been so set up, it just seems obviously like it's Osborne. I actually wonder at this point in the game, you know, I, I, what I hope this game is, and, you know, I won't be, like, crushed if it's not, but what I'd like to see is like a real story arc for Norman Osborn where, you know, maybe he isn't like a total bad guy. Maybe he's just the mayor at the beginning of the game. And, you know, the stuff his company's doing is, 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 uh, you know, giving him whatever this goblin power version would be in this game. And then, you know, at this point in the game, you know, maybe he's a little corrupted, but he's not like full goblin. He, you know, the, the you is actually just Norman Osborn. And then, uh, you know, maybe like, by the actual climax of the game, that's when he's like full goblin. Uh, that's that's what I'd like to see. I don't know if that's going to be the case. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of game there that might make me change my opinion on that too uh, that we haven't seen. The only thing that makes me kind of not think it's Dr. Octopus is that we've literally seen no hints at him so yeah. far at all. Like, you know, it could be. It could be. But I feel like 
I feel like just in, I'll call it narrative marketing <laughs> terms, they, they would have at least dropped a hint that he's in the game to be the guy in the first place. Uh, you know, I, I think what they're probably doing, and I hope this is the case, is I think they're thinking like two, three games ahead, like, you know, Norman Osborn's our guy in, in part one, Doc Ock two, Venom three, you know, maybe not follow so Raimi like, but you know, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I, of my money's on Osborne. I have had the thought like, you know, Mr. Negative is there. Maybe he's corrupted somebody, uh, you know, maybe his corruption powers in some way, uh, play into Norman Osborne's, uh, you know, uh, origin in this, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, there's all kinds of things it could be, you know, I've, I've even, I even tweeted like, here's a long shot Wraith. Like, you mentioned, you mentioned, yeah. Wraith. I don't, I really don't think we're quite at Wraith in this game. We could be, but, uh, I, I think it could just be Yuri and then maybe the next game we get Wraith. Yeah. Uh, it's entirely possible. Um, I mean, I think, I think you're right about the Osborne arc. Like, I think it's really interesting to make Osborne a political figure, you know, um, and that's an intentional decision. And so I think a lot of the storyline will revolve around politics. It's something that we see a lot of in the Spider-Man comics, especially early on where, you know, there were corruptive, you know, mayor figures like, you know, and police, you know, chiefs like Sam Bullitt for people who've read a lot of Spider-Man comics. I suspect this game is going to be a lot about the kind of corruption or corrosion of Spider-Man's public image and uh, being used as a political tool for Norman Osborn in his re-election campaign. I think it will be one of those classic, I'm a political figure, but I'm using my Green Goblin persona or my connections to the underworld to free villains who are attacking my reign as mayor so that I can kind of expand my role as mayor to take down vigilantes and um, and these villains. It gives me a more powerful hold in the office and a better chance of being reelected. Um, there's already hints at this kind of like anti-vigilante force in New mm-hmm. York City. And so I have to imagine that like the reveal that is that will that it will be Osborne um, like you said, maybe not even as the Green Goblin, but it, it's all a ploy to shore up his um, tenure as mayor, right? Like you break everybody out of the raft because only Norman Osborn, who's the mayor, will be able to you know, push forward on his anti-vigilante stance to trap all of these escaped – Vigilantes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. uh, I think the political element of this is key because, like, Green Goblin's a great villain, but there's not much you can do with him for a whole game. You know, it's one thing to have a comic or a movie where this guy is seeking power in whatever abstract way, but if there's a political angle to it, it adds some mystery. So it's like, you know, if the kingpin was, you know, like making a move. To kind of like dis- disrupt or out Osborne, you know. Well, what's Osborne's play? Well, he you know hands over territory, you know, using the police to take down Kingpin, and then hands the tor- territory over to Mister Negative, you know, who also has a kind of guys as Martin Lee. Like I, I think there's more politically to this story than 
than even is already making itself apparent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you've read the web version of the Daily Bugle. It actually says that Norman Osborne is trying to change the rules so that there are uh, you can have a third term as mayor. So there you go. Uh, I mean, (laughs) enough said. Like, uh, I don't want to lean too much into modern politics, you know, but it's like fake newsiness, you know, like there there is a Trumpianness to like what I suspect is actually going on uh, in the story here as we've seen it. Make New York green again. There you go. There you go. I wouldn't be surprised to find a banner that said that. (laughs) That, Like my second video I I, I put up – I put up Norman Osborne with a hat that said "Make New York Green Again." Can we do green hats that say "Make Make <laughs> New York Green Again"? I think we should do that just as like a campaign on our own. It, sure, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to leverage uh, my, a, te- my a Patreon. Baseball it's a Patreon. Uh, yeah, a Patreon. Uh, you know, donate ten dollars or something. Get your. You, you think I'm joking? This is going to happen. All right, go for it. As long as I get one. <laughs> uh, cool. So, you know, actually one thing that struck me in this, you know, call them the Furious Five for, for right now, and the Sinister Sixth is, is perhaps Norman Osborn, but uh, Mr. Negative, I've never seen as like somewhat, as like a group guy. He's like a, he seems like a mastermind kind of guy to me. Is that, did you have that same reaction too? Yeah, kind of, but like I think he's also a character that's young enough and even in the pages yeah. of the comics nebulously defined enough that you could, you know, change up how he plays out, especially if like I said there's some political positive to him, you know, like you know, he's a he's a gang lord, you know, like uh, you know, even mobsters, you know, as much as they see themselves as the king of their family or the first people to, you know, sidle up to political figures you know in favor of you know what you know x y and z to make themselves more powerful so like that doesn't really wrinkle me so much but i understand why you might be like yeah well, that's an I, odd i'm not thing. wrinkled yeah. i just found it interesting i found it interesting you know that it continues actually a theme from last year when they had the, the very mr negative focused uh demo and you know like he spidey finds out it's Martin Lee, like on the helicopter or somewhere around there, and, and it's like that's. It was like a long time before he made that connection in the comics. It was a good sixty, eighty issues. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I mean, Spider Man's always been about kind of like these dual identities, especially for the villains. Like, who is the mysterious guy? Um, and that would be the only thing I would have about it not being Norman Osborn. Is like, what kind of surprise could you pull? With Norman Osborn in this day and age, you know, like everybody knows he's the goblin. If your story is contingent on people not knowing what Norman Osborn is up to or being suspicious of Norman Osborn, you're not going to surprise probably a single person. Um, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where maybe like we know and Spider-Man's in the dark for most of the yeah. game. But I like, don't know that you have to surprise people. I think you just need to give them a good story. And, you know, if it turns out it was if it was Norman Osborn all along, but it's like presented in an, in a way with cool twists and turns. That's fine, I think. In some ways, preferable because we're fans and we know like that's a good role for him. You know, <laughs> it's true. But but so much of the marketing out of E three is now like the team. Every time they got on stage, they were like, 
but who is the mysterious guy? You know, and I think if they just said it's Norman Osborn, people would be like, "Well, why did we make such a big deal out of this?" You know what I mean? Like, Maybe. like uh, the mystery is it's exactly who you probably thought it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, like they really leaned into that. Um, like, and I get it; it's a it's a good hook. But it, like, if it ends up being just Norman Osborn, like I don't think I'm going to hold it against the game. But I'm just going to be like. I guess that was exciting. I like uh, it, it, it. It's not the most tantalizing thing uh, in the world. I'm certainly more intrigued by like, you know, if they were to if they were to say, you know, if they were to show us that it wasn't the Green Goblin and show us that it was just Norman standing there, to me that would be more intriguing because it would be like, wait, so like, what is this guy's new role in mm-hmm. the world of Spider-Man? Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's exactly a well-articulated way to say that. I think a lot of people, too, are just be, just based on their Spider-Man knowledge. They're assuming that all of this stuff has already happened, like they're already like he's already been Green Goblin and stuff. Yeah. And I, I think uh, the, the concept of a new universe is not really something that's set in with them. So, uh, but I'll, I'll just be interested to see how the, the kind of public reacts to figuring out that it's a new universe. And, and, you know, to me, I think it's the biggest, it has the potential to be the biggest new Marvel universe since Ultimate. Uh, well, uh, cer- certainly Marvel Comics thinks so because they yeah. just released that they're going to do tie-in comics, you know. So I think that's a really smart play. There's a ton of people that will be turned on to Spider-Man for the first time by this, you know, like people have seen the movies, but I think – I think it's safe to say that video games have kind of like overtaken movies in popular consciousness, you know, which is crazy to me, not because I don't love video games. It's just like it's hard to think we've gotten there so quickly. Yeah, with a large portion. I mean, there's huge demographics where that's certainly not the case, but with certain demographics, yes, I think you're right. Um, But for me, you know, we just mentioned uh, Spider-Geddon is the event that is going to be it's not really a tie in comic. No, it's I, it's like actual continuity. Yeah, I'm not even sure what it necessarily is at this point, but you it's know, Spider Verse Two. Yeah, that's what it seems to yeah. be. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. But to, to me, like that's like a huge compliment to to video games as a medium because we've had tie-in comics forever. You know, you've had you've had like uh, Injustice is one of probably my favorite comic of this decade. Yeah, I, I love it. It's fantastic. That's what I've heard. Uh, but it's a tie-in comic. It's not. It's not core DC continuity. I don't think it's a you know I'm behind, but I don't think it's ever like crossed into the uh, the you know main DC universe in any way. Yeah. You know, we've had stuff like uh, the uh, Marvel Rise of the Imperfects, which was supposed to be its own universe too, but that just kind of died because the game wasn't very good. Uh, but like actually taking the game character, putting them in the proper Marvel universe, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that's that says a huge. That says a lot for for video games in general. And it speaks to, like, some sort of faith in the storytelling of this this game. That, like, they feel like the character will have a large impact um, enough to bring him in. I mean, Marvel Spider-Man continuity is a bit of a loose thing, you know? Like, you – like, one of the main characters of that story is the Marvel Sum Sum. 
You know, so like, you know, oh right, they're putting it on okay, at least sure. on the level of a, <laughs> a beanbag toy. You know, um, does the beanbag toy get the cover? It might. It might have it, its own it, cover. It, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's at least on the cover of that first issue. So yeah, I don't think they're doing variant covers just for the beanbag toy. But uh, you know, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. Well, do you, let me ask you this: Do you think? Do you think that people are going to buy Spider Geddon because of the Sum Sum Spider Man? No, but they certainly will be because of the video game. Exactly. That was my follow-up question. Because, uh, yeah, I, I do think this having the game character in there is going to sell a lot of comics. And I think having Chris's Gage on both, you know, I think that there's going to be a bigger emphasis on, uh, you know, on this version of Peter in the same way that, you know, Spider-Verse had its main alternate universe characters, too. Uh, you know, maybe this is the next uh, Spider-Gwen. Yeah. yeah, I think it's entirely possible. You know, I think I think there's a large appetite for, you know, like the years in between these games, and I think it's going to be a number of years in between these games, and and you know, if you can sell 24 issues of a comic in between these games to bridge them together, uh, you know, which which is the exact opposite of how this used to work. It used to be the games that would advertise bridging the movies together and always do kind of like a slap shot job of it because the movies would just feel free to ignore the games N- not to the game's fault necessarily so it'll be interesting to see this and i think marvel is as a company is getting better about this stuff you look at like the star wars comic series where they're using their comics to bridge the movies in ways that don't feel inconsequential right i think m- they might 10 years down the line where you realize like hey wait a minute None of this stuff has ever been paid off in the movies, but um, you know the new movie Solo paid off the Rebels TV show, so you never really know. Um, and these guys already seem very big into kind of pushing into the like multimedia marketplace. I mean, if there was one big takeaway from how crazy people are about additional content to this game, it's that the Daily Bugle was selling for thirty bucks on eBay the next day, and there were literally hundreds of thousands of them around the E3 show floor. I walked up to like a booth and just grabbed 30 plus of them at, at <laughs> nice. one, in one go because it was like they were everywhere. Nobody was caring. No one was watching. It wasn't being held as any kind of exclusive object. You know, it was just like, oh, there it is, you know. Um, yeah, the the first day of E3, the first day those went out, uh, yeah, I tweeted like a link like, well, that didn't take long. And someone was selling it for $50. Uh you know, there at the same time, others were selling it for like ten, fifteen, and now that same seller's down to ten. I don't know what the going rate is now. If you want your own, but you can probably get your own for not too terribly expensive. I mean, he was smart, you know, like do, do what you got to do. You know, if you see a market, well, he obviously it, wasn't but... selling it for fifty dollars, though. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> that that true. price, like, I kept getting updates on my phone because I watched it just to see what would happen, and it was like this item has gone down to thirty dollars. This item has gone down to fifteen dollars. This item has gone down to ten dollars. I want to think uh, it's partially due to my tweet that showed a picture of the inside <laughs> of the the newspaper booth with literally a thousand <laughs> copies just sitting there. Um, nice. Yeah, so I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, people are crazy about stuff, and I think that will speak well to the, these comics if people are willing to go out to a comic book store and and throw down some money for it. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that at a Daily Dugo a little bit. Uh, did you have anything? I know you've seen my video. If, if people don't know, I just did the video. If you go into my channel, it's the one right before this. Uh, 
kind of analyzing the entire contents of that Daily Bugle. Uh, is there anything that you got out of it that I didn't or that you disagree with or anything? I just thought it was fun. I, I, don't, I, I think I agree with all of your takeaways for the large point. I tend to not kind of obsess over the little details in, in, in the way that you do, which is totally like to your credit. Like I think that's super cool. It used to be my job. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, you have a level of appreciation for it. Like, I mean, I, I really appreciate it. I thought it was a, one of the coolest marketing gimmicks, uh, you know, I've, I've ever seen. Um, I mean, they're obviously not going to give away anything huge in the Daily Bugle because they want to save their big releases for mass audience stuff. But the little details that you can use to start kind of piecing the world together, like we have with this whole Norman Osborn thing – you know, is really fun. And, and that was kind of my big takeaway is like, it's fun. It's cool to have a P, you know, exclusive thing from E3 that you could only find there that has big splashy artwork on it. You know, some people were telling me, cause I'm sending out my copies to my Patreon crowd. Cool. They were telling me that they were excited to have it so they could frame it. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily frame it, but I, I'm also a crazy collector that has, far more exclusive stuff than that hanging around my apartment you know but i think that's cool for people that want that you know if you want like a nice piece of exclusive spider-man ps4 art you know there you go in terms of like takeaway from things it was just nice to see more details about the villains and the little discrepancies that you found and having a piece of artwork that clearly lays out their design i don't know to me the biggest signal of it was like that they really care about this game and Mm -hmm. the details of this game I met the guy that created uh, the Daily Bugle. He was like hanging out there while I was taking pictures of it, and I told him about that it was selling on eBay, and he laughed about it and uh, and said how much fun it was to create the magazine. So, I, oh, I, you met the guy who wrote it? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember um, his name? No, I don't. I, did, uh, I, I didn't want to bug him because I think he was already annoyed that I was taking pictures of it. Was it an Insomniac guy, a Marvel guy? He, uh, he just... had one of the Insomniac Marvel T-shirts on. Um, okay. So I think it was probably part of their team. Who's to say? I should have asked his name, but you know, I'm yeah, not- I, I bet I. You know, it says to me they have like just a whole bunch of of lore for this universe, uh, and you know, I'm sure we're not even going to see a lot of it. And hopefully, they're thinking long term, and a lot of it's going to be reflected in future games, or maybe even there's DLC that you ha- you fight. Maybe you fight the mission that put Scorpion in the raft, or something. You know, that yeah, be- that would be really exciting. I mean, I, I think I think it just says like they're fans of this character in this universe, and and they care enough about people who really care about the game. One of the things they kept repeating everywhere was Spidey Squad, Spidey Squad. You know, wh- whether they're latching onto that for like marketing, you know, things to kind of leverage a social media thing. It's smart, and, and it shows that they care about their fans, and they're taking yeah. feedback from their fans. And to me, you know, all of this is just very goodwill on, on their part. Um, I mean, it, it happens to work to help sell their game, but, but, it, but it is goodwill nevertheless. I guarantee you a lot of Spidey Squad members are watching right now. What's up, Evan? How you doing? There you go. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and they were very kind to Evan as well. So, you know, like, oh, yeah. that was oh, yeah. cool. That was cool. I love Evan. He's a great good. Yeah. Great guy. Cool. So, uh, actually, I want to I wanna follow up my own video, actually, real quick, because uh, there was the building that I was like, do you guys know what this is? Several of you knew what it was. It's apparently the Avengers Mansion. I should have uh, spotted that. Uh, my personal thought is that it, the Avengers Mansion is for sale because they're now an Avengers Tower and they don't need it anymore. Yeah, or Avengers Mountain. 
That's <laughs> that's the new reveal from the latest Avengers comics. Oh, I've, I'm not caught up on my Avengers. I am caught up on my Spider-Man finally. Oh, that good, took a while. Good, good, good. I, I'm through with 800 801s this week, right? Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah, no, they, they established new residents in Avengers Mountain inside the dead body of a celestial. So... Good times. Of course. Of course. Comics. Comics, comics everybody. everyone. Go read <laughs> comics. That's that's what I have to say, is if you want more Spider-Man, there's always the comics. Yeah. Another thing that I actually meant that I did catch that I forgot to say in that video was that if you read uh, the description of Vulture, it's very reflective of Homecoming. It's, it, like, talks about attacking an aircraft and, and uh, that uh, like, government weapons, which, you know, you could... Interpret as Shatari, if you wanted to. I don't, I'm not saying there's an MCU connection. I'm just saying it's uh, they're making that vulture very MCU esque. Well, so much of it is very MCU esque. You know, the kind of like like Robo designs. You know, like it, it's grounded in a real world sensibility versus the kind mm-hmm. of comics that are a little more fantastical. Um, and like that's neat. You know, like I, I feel like video games have been able to kind of lean into more cartoony sensibilities. And, and if I were to design my own Spider-Man game, it would probably be along the lines of Ultimate Spider-Man where we get a kind of more comic-oriented... I think I've spelled out with you on my show my dream Spider-Man game. Um, but, like, I, you know, if you're going to go for hyper-realism like this game is going for, like, I think those designs really back that up and... In, in the same way that Homecoming did. So I, th- I think you're right to say that they are very similar to each other, yeah. And for good cool. reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're hopefully both great, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to say in general? I feel like we sh- should wind up now. We've been talking for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I just had a lot of fun with the game. I feel like it has a lot of the troubles that I had with other Spider-Man games, and... I think a lot of it will probably be smoothed over by as I get better at the game. Um, but bottom line is web swinging was really fun. It definitely gave me a sense of vertigo, which I can't say about other Spider-Man games. Like, you can feel the, the motion of it, and that was really pleasant. I do miss Ultimate Spider-Man's swinging and climbing a web at the same time mechanic. Mm. I found myself wanting to do that a lot playing through this um but yeah, any spider-man game i always find myself like remembering like just muscle memory like whatever the last game i played was yeah and like thinking i can do that and i can't and then you know you just get used to it and yeah the next game you wonder where this new move that replaced that last one went right 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 <laughs> and, and and i'm really excited by like how difficult i found it like um mm. even web swinging like getting those perfect timed zips like when you flip over the roof of a, of a building or, you know, latch onto something to fling yourself forward, I wasn't good at it. And to me, that's good, you know, like because I will get to a place where, like they say, it becomes kind of a zen experience. It's relaxing, but your brain is still active enough. I don't know if that's a really high praise for video games, but the way I play a lot of video games is like eventually they just become muscle memory and relaxing because you get good at the systems and you there's a pleasure to not fully being active but still really operating at a high level. Totally. 
I don't think that's a bad thing to say at all. I think that's a compliment. You know, you can do all kinds of things in a video. You can be like that. You can be super engaged. You can, you know, just chill. I think this will be a very engaging game, and and, and that's that's very promising. But you will eventually become Spider-Man in your brain, and all the things that I descri- have described having trouble with, you will look like an insomniac developer playing the game uh, and just kick some serious tush. So... Uh, I'm excited about that. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to go out on. So, Chris, thanks for interviewing me today. I know this is a little unorthodox for my my podcast, um, but I'm I, you know I'm happy to have you, and the fans loved your last appearance on the show. So, um, if they wanted to follow you and find out more about you, including a video version of this interview, where might they do that? Well, first, I want to say you were a great guest on your own show. <laughs> thanks. Awesome. Okay, you can find me. My YouTube channel is called Superhero Video Games with CBIG76. You can get there super quick at superhero.vg, as in video games. It really means Virgin Islands, but, you know, it means video games to me. And (laughs) uh, you can see me on Twitter at CBAKE76, C-B-A-K-E-7-6. And, you know, you can go to either one of those and get a bunch of other links for me. If you're really interested, you can buy my book, too, called Wrong Retro Games. You messed up our comic book heroes, which looks at retro superhero video games and tells you how they messed up badly and shaped our minds to think that heroes could do things they couldn't, like Wolverine shooting lasers out of his claws and stuff. Well, he might be doing that soon in the comics. If if a rumor are to be believed, he's now got claws that heat up. In, in future comics, so... Okay, so Konami uh, was setting the template for uh, Wolverine's powers in 2018, in 1992. Got there it. You, there you go. Um, and I, I can't recommend you guys enough that you check out Chris's videos and and Twitter, because, like, he was great on our last episode, if you wanted to know his, like, real nerd credentials. Uh, like, but once you go into those videos, you're seeing this guy find the deepest, darkest corners of his nerdery and, uh, and, and expressing them in finding the most niche hidden details and stuff. I, I always like get a... Like you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying you're part of our brethren here, Chris. All right, all right, cool, uh, cool. You, you are one of a kind of our kind. Uh, so uh, I, I'm recommending people go and check out your stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping that all of those platitudes also apply to me in some regard. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I, 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 you know more about comics than I do. I'll say that for sure. Uh, you know, I've, I, I've read a lot. I've read most of the Amazing Spider-Man comics. You guys pretty much own them all between the two of you. I know at least one of you does. Yeah, I have most of mine digitally, so uh, not quite as ambitious in that regard. Although I have most of the games. I'm only missing. I, I'm. Have you? Have we talked about Web of Fire, the 32x game that's worth like a thousand bucks if you get it new in in, uh, in shrink wrap? Just loose cartridge is like 200 to $250. I'm, I'm never getting that one. Uh, someday you will. <laughs> someday you will, Chris. I have faith that you will find it in your there's hands. Also, there's also these super obscure uh, Italian adventure games that came out in like 1993, and they're, they're all like 15 minutes long. And like one stars uh, – one, one is Carnage. One is uh, Doctor Doom. Uh, what's the third one? Uh, I can't remember. Hobgoblin. And they're all like they're adventure games, like uh, point and click adventure games, like uh, you know Leisure Suit Larry or something like that. And uh, but they're all in Italian. 
uh, and they, they only came out there as far as I know. Now you so make me want those. Leisure Suit Spider-Man. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. It's an alternate costume in yeah. Spider-Man PS4. You hear that, Spider-Man PS4 makers? That's what we really want. Leisure Suit Spider-Man. There, there, are, there are some costumes where he's like in a tux. That is true. That. that is true. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Chris, for, for coming on to interview me. Uh, it's an awkward outro, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Eh, you know, it, I, I'm good at that, I guess, making things awkward. <laughs> well, thanks again. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks again to Chris Baker for joining me to discuss my time at E3 with Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. Please be sure to check out his YouTube channel, Superhero Video Games, and subscribe. The same is true of this show. If it's your first time tuning in, why not subscribe and listen to our episodes from Season 1 and 2 of the show. I'm headed off on my honeymoon today, so Mark and I won't be back for about another two weeks or so for our episode called Reintroducing Death, where we'll be discussing George Stacy's death in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man number 90. In the meantime, I hope you check out that comic and catch up on all of our amazing episodes. For our Patreon subscribers, please be sure to keep an eye out for our review of Amazing Spider-Man number 801 in the coming weeks, as well as news about our artwork from Alex Saviak. Also, be sure to check out some of our other shows, like The Ultimate Spin, as they wrap up the end of Spider-Gwen, or The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where they recently discussed the issues of Marvel Team-Up, where Gene DeWolf was first introduced. Plus, we've got the amazing Spider-Slack community for you to join. Just check this episode's description for a link to join our Spider-Man talking community and share all our Spider-Man joy. You can find more of my work and keep up with me on my honeymoon on my Twitter account, at SupSpiderTalk for Spider-Man stuff, and at DanGavazdan for all my personal adventures. But in the meantime, be sure to remember that with great podcasts must also come the all-new Amazing Spider-Talk. Don't, don't miss the next instant.